Bienvenido. Ahora está escuchando el Paseo Podcast, donde destacamos las historias de, por y para la comunidad puertorriqueña. Bienvenidos a todos tuning into the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smizer de Leon, and I am happy you joined us today wherever and whenever you are listening to this. We have started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here on Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. For our fourth episode, I sat down with the co-chair of the Puerto Rican Agenda of Chicago, Jesse Fuentes. In this episode, Jesse and I discuss Puerto Rico's financial situation, the PROMESA Act, and today's Day of Action in Washington, D.C. We are here live in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center studios. I am here with Jesse Fuentes. Jesse, welcome to the Paseo Podcast. Thank you for having me. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, uh, my name is Jesse Fuentes. I am the co-chair of the Puerto Rican Agenda of Chicago. Um, I'm also a dean of students at Albizu Campos High School, which is a small alternative high school here in Humboldt Park, actually founded by former political prisoners and the executive director of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. I was actually... Uh, raised by the work of this community. I was a student at Albizu Campos at the age of 17, and that's when I had become wow. politicized to kind of do this work. Um, you know, I've gone through many areas of the work. I was formerly the director of Bate Urbano, which is a youth-led, youth-driven space that was uh, here in the community before really providing an artistic alternative space for young people in the community. And, you know, throughout my course of activism and art, I chose to become an educator. And so I am now, you know, an administrator of a high school, was formerly a dean of students at Clemente High School. Um, and, you know, doing work around Puerto Rico and the Puerto Rican diaspora and really ensuring that Puerto Rican families have resources and can exist within a more just world. I became the co-chair of the Puerto Rican Agenda. And so the Puerto Rican Agenda is a non-incorporated organization that believes in ensuring that Puerto Rican families have resources everywhere, whether that is alliance with health, education, food, housing, cultural resources. The Puerto Rican Agenda has concerned itself with ensuring that Chicago can become a hub for Puerto Rican families. Going back a little bit, so you mentioned your the co-chair of the Puerto Rican Agenda, and you mentioned it's about influencing the advancement of Puerto Ricans, and that is not only specific to Puerto Ricans in Chicago, but the island and throughout the diaspora, yeah. so it's an all-inclusive space. As it relates to the PR agenda, how long has that been going on, and is the PR agenda a chapter of a national organization? Is it its own... Was it birthed here in Chicago? Like, well, tell us a little bit of what's yeah. the history of that. So the Puerto Rican agenda uh, here in Chicago is a little over 20 years old, right? Um, and it, it started with individuals who wanted to be able to address the Puerto Rican issue across the diaspora, right? And really concerning itself with how do we engage and advance uh, Puerto Ricans here, Um and we are a part of a, a greater national organization. There's a national Puerto Rican agenda, and then there's Puerto Rican agendas, chapters in different states across the diaspora. 
I will say that Chicago has been one of the organizations that has um, sustained itself. And we are uh, completely active in what's happening in Chicago, across the diaspora, and Puerto Rico. And it has always been that way, right? The work of the Puerto Rican agenda of Chicago has always been felt around the diaspora and in Puerto Rico. And that's because there's been a great job done by our elders to ensure that there's a next generation taking on this work, right? And that young people who come across the work are mentored and engaged. And so, you know, it's been a privilege to be able to work with people like Pablo Medina, Jose Lopez, mm-hmm. Paul Roldan, all folks who, you know, have done work around the agenda for over two decades, um, but have allowed the younger generation to kind of take that work on and lead it. Just seeing how members of the PR agenda roll deep yeah. Um, so deep. I went to a Mayor Lori Lightfoot's budget town hall meeting. It was at Clemente High School. And uh, as a part of this uh, town hall, there was an open forum. People could submit their questions. As people are coming up, they're introducing themselves. And I must have heard like maybe six or eight different people out of like an hour and a half span of people from all over the city from the west side that could come. Oh, I'm so-and-so from the PR agenda and like asking the dopest questions. <laughs> and I'm here snapping my fingers. I'm like, man, PR agenda rolls deep. So yeah. super active in the community, super attentive to what's going on politically and also uh, giving a voice to the yeah. Puerto Rican community here in Chicago. So mm-hmm. something I very much admire. Um, for people that want to get involved in the PR agenda, is that just for like uh, like directors and chairs of committees on nonprofits? Is it open to everybody in the community? Like how does that structure work? No, no, no. I mean, the Puerto Rican agenda is open to anyone wanting to be a leader, right? And a leader can be absolutely anyone who's willing to put in the work. Right. We concern ourselves with giving voice to communities that don't necessarily have the resources to give that voice for themselves. And so we invite all Puerto Ricans from all over the city to join us. We meet every first Saturday of the month. We have social media pages across different platforms. Puerto Rican Agenda Chicago. You can look us up on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, people are more than welcome to ask questions, to come to meetings, to join committees, right? We have committees around education. We have committees around housing. We have committees around public affairs and policy. Um, We have, you know, a finance committee that ensures that we are spending our money responsibly and that we follow through with the commitments we make to community. And so, you know, folks who want to join that work, we welcome everybody. When I've been involved in, in other organizations, and I, as a young person coming in, uh, questioning things, presenting new ideas, a lot of a lot of responses that I will get were, would be like, "That's not how we do things," or "This is the way we've <laughs> always done it," and that was the most frustrating thing for me, Jesse, no. because instead of opportunity, people were just seeing obstacles. I think anytime you're in an organization for a long period of time, the temptation there is to you know just coasting a little bit yeah i don't sense that as much with the members of the pr agenda um and you mentioned this as well that the the generation before us has been very intentional in building up the next generation of leaders yeah so what did you what did you see from the previous generation that were examples of preparing the next generation and what do you yourself what advice would you give to people that have been doing this work for a long time what is your advice for them and how they can 
better prepare the next generation to come after them. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of things that I learned in the course of being mentored. I think that one of the things that were extremely helpful was being able to engage in conversations that were not at all how you described them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to have conversations with elders about ideas and about strategic plans that can truly advance work in a different way, right? And the elders that engaged me, I mean, I was mentored by phenomenal people, right? I was mentored by Jose Lopez, Michelle Morales, Marisol Morales, uh, Judy Diaz, Matthew Rodriguez, Michael Rodriguez, you know, folks who, like, when you look at the trajectory of their work are doing phenomenal things across the city and some of them across the world, right? Um, and being able to engage in conversations with them, they were extremely inspiring. Um, not only because they were they would become excited by my ideas, but they would help me advance those ideas, right? And I think that that's extremely important when we're talking about sustaining political work, sustaining activism in in a community, because this type of work is hard. Um, it's it. It's taxing emotionally, physically, and mentally. And if you don't have people next to you who can be a part of what you do um, and be excited about what you do and motivate you to continue to do more, and when you are tired, can re-energize you, uh, this work be can become extremely taxing, right? And so I think that that is something that the elders in this work have done extremely well, the the ability for them to be open-minded, uh, the ability for them to step back and allow new ways of leadership and new ways of activism to take place has been something that other communities of activism have had a really hard time doing, right? Um, and so I'm extremely proud to be a part of a collective group of people who allow you know, activism to take its course through time. Uh, because that's important. Yeah, right? I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of you work yourself out of a job. You know, we're, time on this earth is limited. <laughs> you know, we only have a finite amount of time. That is a given. So how are we doing our best to work ourselves out of a job so that we can we can create a base that's firm enough for the next the next person, the next people to come in and build off of the momentum, momentum that we've created. Mm -hmm. um, and ideally, if all goes well, generation to generation, that job is going to shift and then we're on to the next thing that we have to address. Yeah. Looking at how the PR agenda organizes people, looking at the intentionality in building up new leaders, you yourself as co-chair, dean of students, got your hands in a lot of things. What do you do in your own life to have that balance? For a lot of activists out there, I think it's easy to like see a lot of things that need to get fixed in our society, a lot of systemic changes that need to be made. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned that that's taxing. Yeah. How do you create balance in your life so that being in those taxing spaces mm -hmm. don't consume you to the point where that positive energy becomes and becomes more of like a negative or more like a, a draining energy for you. Yeah. You know, something that I learned several years ago and, you know, Jose Lopez taught me this is that this work can be extremely difficult if all of your areas of work exist in silos. 
right? And so what I think that I've learned to do extremely well is to find the interconnectedness between all the pieces of my work. And so being a dean of students at the high school um, is completely connected to my work at the agenda. My work at the agenda uh, ensures that families have housing. My work at the agenda ensures that our community has quality education. My work at the agenda ensures that we can provide relief and we can rebuild homes for families in Puerto Rico. I serve a community as an educator in which this work impacts, right? Um, and if I were to see those two pieces of work separately, then I wouldn't be able to do both of them effectively. And so I've I've learned to find the interconnectedness within all my work, but I've also f have you know gotten really good at finding ways to bring them together. And so, you know, there's been plenty of protests, plenty of marches, plenty of press conferences that I have led and facilitated through the Puerto Rican Agenda where I take 30 or 40 of my students to uh, because it's not only important to provide them resources, but it's also extremely important to raise the consciousness of young Puerto Ricans. We're talking about being able to sustain our work. We're talking about being able to transition leadership, what a better way than to begin building consciousness among 17, 18, and 19-year-old students, right? So that they become the next generation of Puerto Ricans that take on this work. Uh, we can't expect us to transition to younger generations if Puerto Ricans in Chicago, specifically Humboldt Park, have no idea what's happening in the world around them. And so it's our responsibility to teach them that. And it's cool to teach those things in classrooms and in counseling offices and on one-on-one -on -one sessions, but it's a much better thing to be able to show them, right? And so when I take them to protests, when I take them to marches, and when I take them to press conferences, you know, it opens their eyes to an entirely different world of possibility. And often young people sit in classrooms and they are told about everything that's happening in the world that's wrong, right? And we live in a political moment where young people are turning on the TV or they're going on to social media and they're seeing all the things that are happening around immigration. They see all of the things that Trump tweets or says at press conferences and the world seems daunting to a 17-year-old Latino in Chicago, right? Uh, but then you can take them to a protest, you can take them to a press conference, and then they can surround themselves with people who believe that a more just world is still possible today. You start to give young people the ability to believe that anything is possible, and that's extremely important when you're talking about sustaining work like ours. You're getting into some really good stuff, and I want to talk about DC, because this yeah. is all connected, everybody. So hang tight, listeners. We're going to take a pause. When we come back, Jesse's going to talk a little bit about Promesa, what the PR agenda is doing. Like I said, the PR agenda rolls deep, so wait till you hear what we're going to do in DC. So stay tuned. We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to us. We also want to take this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based, grassroots, educational, health, and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, 
give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you. Okay, we're back. We're here with Jesse. Jesse was just talking to us about the PR agenda, a lot of the mobilizing that the PR agenda has been doing so that we're not just talking about these issues that need to be addressed, but we're actually taking action. So Jesse, could you, for our listeners that aren't aware of what PROMESA is, how did that come to be? When was that enacted? The PROMESA Act is a recent organic act, right? And organic acts have been imposed on Puerto Rico um, for as long as we can remember. And so PROMESA Act was um, actually signed by President Obama after being approved by Congress. And it's a act, it's a tool, right, uh, to be able to grapple with the debt of Puerto Rico. And so that act, you know, articulates a few things. It articulates the ways in which the debt can be paid into, right? And so like the raising of taxes, the slashing of resources, um, the decrease of minimum wage, all of these things go into being able to pay the debt. Uh, But more importantly, what the PROMESA Act implemented was a financial control board over Puerto Rico. That financial control board is responsible for finding ways to cut funds from different areas and corners around organizations and um, resources of Puerto Rico to pay into the debt, right? And so what we seen after the PROMESA Act was put into place and turned into law uh, was schools closing, teachers being laid off, minimum wage going down, resources being cut in half, all to pay the debt. And so what happens in Puerto Rico is that the poverty rate goes up. Uh, More people are getting sick because they have less resources for things like insurance and things of that nature. More people are homeless because there are less housing resources. Uh, Classrooms are overpacked because kids are consolidated into several schools across the island and these are the conditions right um and unfortunately the implications of an act like promesa is there any representation from anyone on the island on this board no absolutely not that's a part of the problem right these are all elite wealthy white some you know latino individuals hedge funds leaders right Mm. Um, determining the future of Puerto Rico. And these are all individuals who have never lived on the island, have no idea what it's like to live on the island, what it's like to exist with um, less resources, what it's like to you know be in a housing unit and not get the resources so that that housing unit stays sustainable. These are individuals who never in their day had to live in poverty. Um, and what's, you know, all of them are paid, right? This is a fiscal well, so this control is not an elected, board. This is not an this, elected board. This is a fiscal control board that also costs money. You have the chair of this board, the president of this board, 
he makes more money than the governor and the president's salary combined. Wow. This is what we're talking about. And they are slashing and cutting from the people of Puerto Rico, um, but also becoming very wealthy in the process. Sounds very similar to our financial system here in the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't know that Promesa is a household name. I don't know many people outside of the Puerto Rican community that are familiar with that. Yeah. So when we heard a lot of stuff, especially around Maria, like, oh, Puerto Rico needs to get its finances together mm -hmm. and it's a mess there. Yeah. And come to find out that there is a board that's not elected, that is paid to be on this board, that do not have connections or strong connections to the island. There's no representation from mm -hmm. anybody on the island. And then we blame the people of Puerto Rico for their financial situation when, in fact, they have <laughs> yeah. no control over it. Right. That is so wild to me. Right. And I don't know enough. I don't know that enough people know that. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, that is exactly why the work of the agenda, the National Day of Action in Washington, D.C. on the 18th is an extremely important moment because we have to be able to understand policy. And I think the 18th is, is really important for several reasons. People in Puerto Rico, and you know, for folks who don't know, right? And, and this is also a reality of the colonial status of Puerto Rico. The people of Puerto Rico who live in Puerto Rico do not have a right to vote for the president of the United States. That president determines the future of Puerto Rico each and every time. We have representation in Congress, but that member does not have voting rights. And so we have someone who sits in Congress who also cannot determine the future of Puerto Rico when it comes to being able to vote and pass bills to become law. Now, people, Puerto Rican people in the diaspora have that right. We have the right to vote for the president of the United States. We have congressional representatives that represent our districts who have voting rights in Congress to be able to make bills into law. And we have a lobbying right here in the United States. As a Puerto Rican, to allow your vote to be heard in our elections here in the States, you'd have to leave the island, relocate to the United States in order to exercise that right to vote. Yes. You have to leave a place called home in order to determine the future of your home. And so what's happening on the 18th is Puerto Ricans across the United States are telling Puerto Rico, are telling Congress, are telling the president of the United States that while Puerto Ricans cannot determine their own future and be self-determined, that the Puerto Rican diaspora will help them be a self-determination. And so there are a couple things that we are going to Washington, D.C. with the Puerto Rican agenda in partnership with Hispanic Federation, organizations like Powerful Puerto Rico, Vamos for PR, you know, Puerto Rican active organizations across the diaspora will be there that day lobbying. And we will be lobbying for the bill that Senator Warren proposed in the Senate. That bill articulates a couple of things. That bill is requesting for an independent audit of the debt, requesting that 180 days after that bill is enacted that a commission is put in place, that that commission is appointed by the Institute of Statistics of Puerto Rico and that professors from many different areas from Puerto Rico are appointed to that commission, that that commission has one year to be able to put a report together that articulates how the debt was produced starting from the first fiscal day of 1972. 
mm -hmm. right? That that commission puts together a data transparency database so that the findings are public, so that the people of Puerto Rico, electoral politicians, and the government itself can understand who should be truly paying for that debt. We are asking for a moratorium around that debt. What's a moratorium? A moratorium is language around saying that the process for the debt to be paid and what resources are utilized to pay that debt be frozen until we understand how that debt was actually produced and who should be paying it. We are asking for a bumper around federal funds. Once those funds are allocated to an issue, to rebuilding and providing relief for Puerto Rico, those funds have to stay there. They cannot be removed. We are also asking for parity around different resources, things like Medicaid, right? Um, people deserve to have quality insurance. We are stripping everything from underneath the feet of the poorest people of Puerto Rico, and we can no longer continue to do that. And my understanding of parity is that the way we distribute Medicaid and qualify people for Medicaid in the United States differs in how we do that in, on the island. Yes, yeah. people in Puerto Rico pay in to things like Medicaid, right? Here in the United States, you pay into your Medicaid, you get it back, right? Right. People in Puerto Rico pay into the Medicaid and they're lucky if they get a third of that back, right? Um, and so when we go to Washington, D.C. on the 18th and we have these meetings with congressional representatives and their administration, we're asking them to advocate and advance the bill that Senator Warren proposed. And we're asking them if they can't do that because they don't know enough, then to learn enough, and we could teach them. And so we are hoping to capture the imagination of congressional representatives that represent districts across many states and in the United States. And I think that what the government has not accounted for is that Puerto Ricans can determine the presidential election in 2020. One thing that yeah. Puerto Ricans understand here in the diaspora now, thanks to the Puerto Ricans on the island, is that we can chase, change the course of electoral politics. So we're meeting with we're meeting with a number of representatives this Wednesday, September 18th. Oh, by the way, spoiler, I'm going with Jesse in the PR agenda. We're going there <laughs> as a unit. Um, hopefully we'll have some more updates to share on our social media channels and on the progress we're making. But we're meeting with, I don't know if it's okay to say this, but 66 representatives as of yeah. right now. As of right now, growing. we have 66 meetings with 66 different congressional representatives that represent, by the way, Puerto Rican districts across the United States. So this is just an idea. It's amazing. Right? This is just to give you an idea of where Puerto Ricans reside. We're talking about 66 different districts that congressional folks have to set meetings because they represent a district of Puerto Ricans. It's not just one borough in, the, in New York no. City. It's no. not just a little neighborhood no. in Philadelphia. We're talking about Philly. Right. We're talking about Ohio. We're talking mm -hmm. about Indiana. We're talking about Florida. We're talking about Michigan. We're talking about Wisconsin. You know, we're not talking ju just about the East Coast. Yeah, I, I think we've got many different areas of the United States covered. That's awesome. You mentioned, just to wrap up, you mentioned uh, presidential candidates paying attention that we can determine who the next president is. We can yeah. sway We can sway in a direction and turn the tides of who yeah. sits in the White House. 
Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren has introduced this bill. Yeah, Bernie it, Sanders with support. With Bernie Sanders support. And yeah. it looks like there's a few other president, like Kamala Harris, yeah. um, a few other presidential candidates um, that have put their backing behind this. When I, I don't know if you've watched the Democratic debates. I did. You did? Oh, great. <laughs> good, good. So the, the one before this past week, um, I only heard Puerto Rico mentioned once. Yeah. Maybe my ears or maybe my ear, my, no, my no, hearing no. Is, is leaving me. You know, no, no, it's no, not no, working. The, it's, but this past uh, debate, same thing. I heard it once. And I think maybe Andrew Yang brought it up. And yeah. he the point he was making was good. However, he referred to Puerto Rico as a country. When it, you know, that'd be nice, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're a territory, we're a colony. Even when Puerto Rico is mentioned, it's mentioned minimally. Yeah. Um, and even when it's mentioned, it's, you know, not, it's that, that conversation or the, the response to whatever question they're being asked isn't delved into fully enough. And yeah. Maybe they're not given enough time. Maybe, maybe there's not, maybe they're not taking enough time to educate themselves in the realities of Puerto Rico. What is the expectation from from these presidential candidates. Yeah, you know, I think that there are a couple of presidential candidates that are really conscious about what's happening in Puerto Rico. You know, I think that Bernie Sanders has always had Puerto Rico on his mind. I mean, you know, he's, he's visited Puerto Rico. He's done a lot of work to support the work in Puerto Rico. I think, you know, um, Senator Warren is also extremely conscious. Um, I think, you know... First and foremost, it's extremely problematic, given all of the press that has taken place around what is happening in Puerto Rico, around the millions of people that took the streets of Puerto Rico, that Puerto Rico has only been mentioned two to three times in the course of the democratic debates, right? Um, I think that it's extremely problematic that the most that we have received from the presidential candidates around what's happening in Puerto Rico is a tweet or two. Right. And that has been the reality mm -hmm. of, of what we've received. Um, now, we've had presidential candidates like Warren, like Bernie Sanders, work really hard on the bill that we are going to lobby for. Um, but I think that the problem with platforms like the, the democratic debates that take place across the U.S., is that for the people facilitating and hosting them, Puerto Rico is not a big enough issue. Right. And so then we have to make Puerto Rico a big enough issue. Right. Um, and we have to we have to force the issue. What happened in Puerto Rico, unfortunately, is seen as something that is happening over there. Right. Um, happening on the island, happening on that territory. Right. Uh, so then we need to shake some stuff up on this end. Right. And that's exactly what the 18th is about. It's about having a national day of action not just words, right? Not just sitting in front of cameras and doing press conferences, but sitting in the office of congressional folks and letting them know you got to do something. You got to do something. You can't represent our district, right? You got to do something or, you know, presidential candidate, you can't be president. Mm. <laughs> and so, you know, we have to be able to do that work here. And, I, and that's why the 18th, like, we are going to exist within such an important moment in history, 
not just for Puerto Rico, but for Puerto Ricans in the diaspora. And that is extremely important for me. And that's why the 18th is so important for me. That's why I'm extremely excited about the meetings we have been able to schedule. I'm extremely excited about the press conference we're going to have. And the people who have, and I won't disclose that now, right? But you tune in and watch the people who have agreed to be a part of it. The people who have agreed to be the face of this National Day of Action, the congressional reps who have agreed to speak for Puerto Rico, the senators who have agreed to represent the Senate and stand up for Puerto Rico. We have been capturing the imagination of people who have the ability to change the course for the island. And that is extremely important. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of what goes down on Wednesday uh, will, I mean, it will hold a lot of importance for me. I'm sure it'll hold a lot of importance for everybody that goes with us in the delegation. Um, and I'm hopeful that that important work will continue on past Wednesday and that we'll actually start to see some action and not just more words from our elected officials. This is the beginning of what our work looks like for the next year and a half. Right now. We are talking about working up until we get the president that Puerto Rico needs in office. All right, Jesse, thank you so much for being on the Paseo Podcast. How can people keep up with the PR agenda? How can they keep up with you? I don't know if you have any social media channels you're you're down to share, but yeah, uh, yeah. how can uh, we keep up with you? Puerto Rican Agenda First, everyone can visit our website, PuertoRicanChicago.org. We have a Facebook, Puerto Rican Chicago. Feel free to visit. My name is Jesse Fuentes, and so all of my social media accounts uh, can be found under my name. My first name is spelled J-E-S-S-I-E. Um, the I is important. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, feel free to look me up. I use a lot of my social media platforms to advance the work of the Puerto Rican agenda, to talk about issues of Puerto Rico, to advance other people's literature, right, around what's really happening and not what's posted or, you know, recorded um, popular news feeds, but, you know, the independent journalism that truly deserves to be published. And so if folks are interested in learning, you know, feel free to follow. But I'm also really good at engaging with folks. And so if you have questions, if you're wondering, if you want to know more, you know, feel free to send a message on either platforms and we can engage in a dialogue. And I'm also really open to having coffee with people. Awesome. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. We really uh, appreciate it. Before we wrap up for the week, I want to thank once again Jesse Fuentes for coming on the show. I will have a bit more to share from our conversation on next week's episode with you all. Next week, I sit down with Puerto Rican artist Cristian Rodan to discuss his art as well as his experience as an artist of color. We love hearing from our listeners of the podcast. All comments, feedback, and good vibes are welcome in this space. Today, we want to share comments from two people in particular. Pat on Facebook commented on our pilot episode where we talked about the history of Paseo Boricua and Fiesta Boricua. In response to our conversation on the banderas and the history behind them, Pat wrote, I thought this was very interesting. I never knew the history behind them. I do now smiley face emoji we love our emojis on the paseo podcast so thank you pat for that kind comment our next message comes from carmen who wrote to us and said hi just a note i heard the podcast twice i thought it was wonderful and learned a few things i didn't know about my own culture 
Great questions, by the way. Puerto Rico flag emoji. Peace, Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Pat. We appreciate the good vibes you send our way. We're happy. You learned some things. We're learning as well, uh, especially as I conduct these interviews. Everybody we've had in the studio has shared such great information with us, and I find myself continuously writing different things and different threads to follow to further my own education and to inform the the people that we have on this show. So we really appreciate all the learning that is going on in this space. I think as a Puerto Rican people, we have to better understand where we've been, where we currently are, in order to better inform how we want to progress forward. So we appreciate you all for taking this journey with us on the Paseo Podcast. If you want to reach out to the show, but don't know how, here's how you can do it. You can connect with us by visiting our website, baseomedia.org, emailing us at baseopodcast at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And following us at Baseo Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for downloading this episode and see you next week. Cuídate.